In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word, inerrant, infallible. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we we thank you for all of scripture, Genesis to Revelation and But on this Lord's Day, we we thank you especially for the Gospels and for this Gospel of Luke, how it details for us the prophecies concerning Christ, especially of Christ's humble birth, born of a virgin, but Lord... We praise you especially that his name is Jesus, uh, for he will save his people from their sins. Lord, may your Holy Spirit be at work in in our hearts and minds even today, uh, that we would be hearers of your word, doers of the word, and as well those who share the good news of the gospel. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, consider several history-changing announcements. If you're a little bit older or if you've read history, you might remember the announcement of the surprise attack, the D-Day invasion during World War II. It took place on, you know, in France on June the 6th, 1944, and that attack, that battle marked the end, the beginning of the end of a bloody war. Or remember the announcement, maybe you watched it on TV, of the U.S. astronauts as they landed on the moon on July 20th, 1969, and astronaut Neil Armstrong I made this historic quote. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Or more recently, you know, think about where you were 
uh, when you heard the announcement of the passing of the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, She reigned from February 6, 1952 until her death on September 9, 2022. Um, Even at her death, she was still the head of state over 15 realms, reigned for 70-plus years. Well, here in in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and would invite you to turn in your Bibles with me as we study God's word together, we we hear a greater and a a more glorious announcement, and that is the announcement of the angel Gabriel, who gives an announcement of gospel hope not only to Mary, but to us as well. It's a great announcement of the imminent birth of Jesus the eternal Son of God, the Son of the Most High, Jesus, the gracious King who will rule not only over the house of Jacob, but he rules even now in heaven over all of his creation, over all of his redeemed children. And here as we study these uh, wonderful, um, rich scriptural verses together, You know, keep this in mind, uh, that the angelic announcement about Jesus, the gracious king, brings us redemption hope. This announcement not only brought hope to Mary and to Joseph, to the shepherds, to the magi, you know, but, but it's a message of hope still for us today. You know, and how does this announcement about Jesus bring us redemption hope? First, it's a hopeful birth. Then there are hopeful titles for Christ. And finally, a a hopeful reign of Christ. We begin with that gracious announcement about Jesus' hopeful birth. You know, on this Lord's Day, we're just going to be focusing on those three verses of Luke 1, Luke 1, 31 through 33. <clears throat> but if you look at these verses in context already, Luke has written about the prophesied birth of John the Baptist to Elizabeth and Zechariah the priest. You know, when you read through Luke 1 and 2, you know, it, you, you'll discover that it's a, it's a gospel gold mine here. You know, and it's not too late to read through the the Gospel of Luke before Christmas. 24 chapters, and so six days, if you read four chapters a day, a chapter takes about five minutes, give or take. Uh, You can can, uh, read through and and rejoice in, in the good news of the Gospel. But back to Luke, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Here, uh, the Lord God sends, sent his angelic messenger, Gabriel, you know, here to, to an obscure town named Nazareth. A small town, smaller than Opelousas. They estimate probably a population of about four to 500 people. You know, to, to give an announcement, you know, to a young virgin. And that first 
Mary is, Mary's name is not mentioned till later. Who is betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. You know, then we learned that the virgin's name was Mary. You know, it's a gracious announcement about the birth of Jesus, the Savior of sinners. And as we prepare to look at these, you know, verses, you know, for, for us as Christians, it's important to note all the concrete historical facts, you know, surrounding the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there, there's a time, you know, in the sixth month, you know, there, there's a place, you know, uh, Nazareth. Yes, we know Jesus is born in Bethlehem. You know, but we have this important geographical fact. You know, then as well, um, we have the angel Gabriel. Uh, We have the people who are there, Mary. So there there is a time, a a place, and and people mentioned here. You know, but let's focus on on Mary here first in, in verse 28. You know, the angel Gabriel comes to her, you know, with words of hopeful comfort to Mary. Greetings, O favored one. You know, there, there's a little play on words there in, in the original, in the Greek. They're, they're, they're mirror images, greetings and grace. You know, grace to you, Mary. The, the recipient of God's grace. You know, Scripture speaks of God showing his favor uh, to this young virgin. You know, the Lord is with you. You know, again, this is not a, a throwaway greeting. You know, it, it's a glorious gospel promise. You know, hear this, Judges chapter 6, verse 12 you know, before Gideon goes into battle, we read this, Judges chapter 6, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Gideon, and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. You know, the, that, that gospel truth is meant to encourage Mary and us as well, to, to give us hope. And comfort. But what was Mary's response? Uh, She was greatly troubled. She was perplexed. Uh, She she was pondering all of this. This was, you know, just a a, a boatload of, of information to her mind, to her senses. It shows her humanity here. You know, she kept pondering this angelic announcement, but the angel continues. Note what the angel says next, verse 30. Do not be afraid. It can also be interpreted, stop being afraid, Mary. I know you're afraid now. You know, but, but stop being fearful. The same words that were spoken to Zechariah earlier, chapter 1, verse 13, and we know uh, the angel speaks these words to the shepherds, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, 
For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all, for all people. You know, fear not. When, when God is with us, when God is, is revealing his grace to us in Christ, we need not fear. And then the angel says, for you have found favor with God. You know, it's important to understand that, that little phrase. You know, the, the Latin Vulgate, and won't go into all the historical accounts, but the Latin Vulgate incorrectly translates the Greek there in verse 28 as, as full of grace. You know, but, but that is not what... Uh, the, the original texts were saying. And, and so it's translated here, you know, if you're using the ESV, you know, you have found favor with God. God graciously chose Mary, humble Mary. We might almost say uh, unholy Mary, to be a recipient of, of his grace. Philip Riken puts it this way, God graciously chose Mary to be a a recipient of his grace, not a repository of his grace. You know, grace does not flow from Mary. You know, quite the opposite. God graciously pours his grace upon Mary, as he does with all sinners who are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Christians should not ignore Mary but neither should we idolize her. Or she's a humble servant of the Lord, one who freely acknowledges her sin and the need for a savior. If you skip ahead to, to verse 47, you know, Mary's magnificat, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. But then verse 47, and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Mary knows she needs a savior. She's a sinner who needs a savior. Christ is that savior. But still these are words of hopeful comfort for Mary. And then a hopeful conception there in verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Here scripture reveals the the glorious gospel mystery of, of the virgin birth of Jesus. There have been volumes upon volumes written upon this, this gospel truth. It, it's a gospel doctrine that's been under attack um, since Jesus' birth, but certainly in the last uh, 200 years. Uh, Jesus was truly God and, and truly man yet without sin, Hebrews 4.15. Only one who is fully man could be tempted, tried, and tested in all ways as we are, and yet without sin. Only one who is fully God could faithfully and fully pay the price for our salvation by his death for our sins on the cross. You know, and, and look closely there at verse 31, the three parts to the angelic announcement. You will conceive in your womb. You know, the, the, the real 
well, we'll get into the real birth, Mary's pregnancy. It's a fulfillment of gospel prophecy. You know, we read this in the service of lessons and carols, but hear it again. Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. You know, just th- that order, conceive and, and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. You know, bear a son to the birth of Jesus. You know, the, the angel knew, well, more importantly, the sovereign God knew that this would be a son. No sonograms, no ultrasounds in, in Jesus' day. Yet, yet he is the son. You know, conceived, as we read in Scripture, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and most importantly, and you shall call his name Jesus. You know, Matthew one twenty one that Joseph receives the same command. So Joseph, Mary's betrothed, and now Mary receives this command. You shall call his name Jesus. You know, literally Yeshua. You know, the, the root word there in Hebrew means salvation. You know, God saves sinners. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Or hear this from Acts chapter 4 verse 12. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. One reason we include uh, the, the lyrics, the words for the Christmas hymns in the bulletin last Sunday, this Sunday, is so two reasons. One, that you might sing them, but secondly, so, so that you would study them. There, there's a critical difference between a Christmas carol Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas, I'm not against listening to those, you know, and, and you compare that to let all mortal flesh keep silence. Tough music, I know. You know, it, it, it's believed the words for that hymn have been around for at least a thousand years, again, translated from Latin. You know, but there's a hymn, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. We sang it last week at the service of Lessons and Carols. But listen again to that first verse. If you want to look in your hymnal, it's number 196. You know, come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every loving heart. Now Jesus gives believers hope. Not only Mary and the shepherds, Anna and Simeon, you know, but he gives you and me hope. As he frees us from bondage to sin, releases us from our fears, 
promises us rest in Christ, hope, joy in Jesus. The gracious announcement about Jesus' hopeful birth. You know, but now verse 32 of Luke chapter 1, there, now we consider the gracious announcement of Jesus' hopeful titles. Yes, we've already received that one title, Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, but now verse 32, you know, three titles, and it begins with great. He will be great. The same title is given to John the Baptist in chapter 1, verse 15. So what is scripture telling us here when it gives Jesus that title? We, we've looked at Hebrews a, a little bit uh, during Advent. And, and when you read through Hebrews, Jesus is greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Melchizedek. You know, Jesus is great. You know, it, it's a title used of God himself. Psalm 95, verse Three, Psalm 95, verse 3. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. You know, what's one of the first prayers that children learn? And I'm glad they do. God is, you can say it, God is great. God is good. You know, you, you can go a long way in your walk of faith with those two truths about God. He's a great God. He's a good God. And yes, we should thank him for our food. You know, this, this gracious announcement, Titus 2, verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so even here it's telling us Jesus is great because God is great. So Jesus is indeed God. Not only the Son of God, but very God of very God. He is great. Secondly, he's Son of the Most High. It's a scriptural way of declaring that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. Not the Son of God, you know, when he was born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus is eternally the Son of God. Calvin put it this way. He, that is Christ, who had been the Son of God from eternity, would be manifested as such in the flesh. So Jesus is great, the Son of the Most High, but Third there in verse 32 of Luke 1, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. You know, God the Father will graciously give to his son the throne of his father, and now it's referring to David here. You know, here we need to go back to the Old Testament and God's covenant with David. You know, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, and let me read a few verses there. 2 Samuel 7, verse 12. 
The Lord speaking to David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. So there is that the descendants of David. Uh, Verse 13, he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, but with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. You know, and, and so here in Luke chapter 1, verse 32, when it's speaking of, of the throne of his father David, God is, is showing his covenant faithfulness, his steadfast love, uh, not not just onto Christ, but he's declaring it to us as his people. God is always faithful uh, to us as his redeemed people. And if you want to follow the scarlet thread to the end of Scripture, you know, last chapter of the Bible, almost uh, the last verses, Revelation twenty-two sixteen, Revelation twenty-two sixteen. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. And then hear this. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. So here are these titles for, for Christ. Great, son of the most high, sit will be given the throne of his father David. In other words, here is, here is Christ the king. Not only the king, but we'll see the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Again, another Christmas hymn. What child is this? It's in our Trinity hymnal 213. It speaks of the humble humanity and holy reign of our Lord Jesus. Just one verse First verse, what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping? This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing, haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. You know, the, this gracious announcement of, of Jesus' hopeful titles, especially that he is king. You know, and how do these hopeful titles impact us? You know, power for prayer as we use these titles. You know, you're, you're struggling. You know, how, how should I refer to God? Just God? Oh, God? God our Father, Heavenly Father, all good. You know, but, but if you want to deepen your prayer life, I want to deepen my prayer life here. You know, God, you're a great God. These are all the ways that you are a great God. You know, God, thank you for Christ, the, the Son of the Most High God. 
And thank you, Lord, that you gave the throne of the father, his father David, unto Christ. The sign of your covenant faithfulness to me. You know, also a biblical incentive to worship Christ. You know, there, there's one danger for us as Christians. Well, more than one. You know, at Christmas, we, we you know, with the world, we, we just focus on the baby in the manger. You know, Scripture speaks of that. You know, but, but who is that babe born in the manger? It's the Son of God. It's the Savior of sinners. It, it, it's the King of kings and, and the Lord of lords. This gracious announcement of Jesus' hopeful title, finally, verse 33 the gracious announcement of Jesus' hopeful reign. You know, thankful for, you know, Dirk and Liz and Kathy and the family lighting our, our Advent candles this morning. Candles of hope. You know, Psalm 65, verse 5, redemption hope. You know, that, that's what we can rejoice in at, at Christmas you know, and, and look there at Luke 1, verse 33. And he, Christ, will reign over the house of Jacob forever. You know, you know, read about Jacob. You know, go back to the Old Testament. Jacob, the heel grabber. Jacob, the deceiver. You know, he will rule over the house of Jacob. You know, you know, there, there's gospel hope there, you know, for sinners such as, as you and me. You know, but, but the house of Jacob speaks of Israel, and, and we have been grafted in, as we'll find out in Romans. Come to Sunday school, I encourage you to do that. That's a great New Year's resolution. You know, but he will reign over the house of Jacob. Christ our King. You know, there in our, our worship bulletin, you know, the uh, shorter catechism questions there at the bottom of the announcement page. Let me just read one. Westminster Shorter Catechism 26. How doth Christ execute or carry out the office of a king? And the answer is Christ executeth the office of a king in subduing us to himself and ruling and defending us and in restraining and conquering all his and our enemies. You know, that, that's what a king does. You know, a godly king. And Jesus Christ, our king. You know, he, he subdues us to himself. Thank God he does. We are rebels. You know, we're like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We're sinners and we're trying to hide and clothe ourselves. And our Lord God graciously subdues us, brings us, draws us to saving faith. You know, and as a king, he rules over us. You know, in righteousness and in love, he defends us. Uh, against Satan's attacks. You know, his, his grace will bring us safely home. 
you know, but finally, and in restraining and conquering all his and our enemies, Satan, sin, and even death itself. You know, there, there's a great verse, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. A lot of great verses in the Bible. All of them are great. But the last part of 1 John 3, verse 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. You know, as you think about that at Christmas, you know, you think of Christ, the babe, born in a manger. You know, why did Christ come? The reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the devil so that sin would no longer control our lives, crush us, make us miserable, frustrated, rebelling against God. You know, the reason the Son of God came was to destroy the work of the devil. Works, plural. The eternal reign of Jesus, but you know, maybe I'm splitting hairs on this one. It's not only an eternal reign, but you know, as we're thinking about Jesus' hopeful reign, the last part of Luke 1, verse 33, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And it's, he's not being redundant here. Scripture tells us, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. If you like the hallelujah chorus, I try to listen to uh, the Messiah or portions of it at Christmas, especially the hallelujah chorus. You know, and I I love that phrase. You, You know, you have to stand. And he shall reign forever and ever. King of kings and Lord of Lords. You know, and they, they keep repeating that. I'm glad they do. And you, you put this in context, you read through Scripture, both the northern kingdom of Israel fell, then the southern kingdom of Judah fell. You know, in, in Jesus' day, Jesus knew what was going to happen. Rome, you know, the grandeur of Rome, not just a city, but an empire. Rome fell. And what does scripture tell us? And of his kingdom, there will be no end. You know, kings, queens, dictators, presidents, You know, they rise and fall. But one Bible commentator penned this hopeful truth, quote, The manger is empty. The cross is empty. The tomb is empty. But the throne of Christ is occupied for all eternity. You know, there's hope. You know, know, look at your bulletins here. You know, just in closing. Last Christmas hymn, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence. 
You know, just that second verse. King of kings, yet born of Mary, as of old on earth he stood, Lord of lords in in human vesture, in the body and the blood. He will give to all the faithful his own self for heavenly food. Doing a little study on this hymn, it was not only sung during Advent at Christmas, it's also a communion hymn. Now as we prepare to eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we remember that Christ himself gave himself, you know, in love for us. A great and gracious king who lovingly laid down his life to give us redemption hope. Not just one day out of the year, but for all eternity. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we we thank you that we can call you great, son of the most high. Thank you that you sit upon the throne even now. But Lord, we especially thank you that we can call you Jesus. For you indeed are the savior of sinners. Lord, you were not only born as a babe in a manger, lived that sinless life, perfectly kept the law for us. And you died that sacrificial, substitutionary death for sin, our sins, upon the cross of Calvary. You rose again victoriously on that third day, ascended into glory, Lord, and you're, you're coming again. And every eye shall see him, every knee shall bow. And Lord, in the interim, Lord, as we wait for our own home going or wait for the return of Christ, Lord, may we be living with redemption hope. But we pray, most gracious Heavenly Father, that we would be sharing that good news of the gospel with the hurting, hopeless, dying world around us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.